and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Let's read it in unison. Then Jesus, oh I'm sorry, I messed up. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Dear Lord, thank you. Um, thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking these words and preserving these words and having men write these words so we could refer to them. We pray now, God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would write it upon our hearts and strengthen us to be the people for you you want us to be. Amen. I recently read this verse in my devotions. Well, these verses, I'm going to be focusing in on verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I was struck um, by the mystic truth of this statement. So I want to take a few minutes to think about this and I guess the verses that surround it. A um, couple of questions I want to think about here. Verse 1. How much of verse 1 was Jesus privy to? How much of verse 1 was he aware of at the time? Verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted to the devil. I want to ponder that for a second. The next thing I want to cover today is um, what exactly was Jesus saying to the devil in verse 4 by, by quoting this verse and what does this verse mean? Uh, next question that I have about this, um, what, what was the original meaning of these words given that they were quoted from Deuteronomy 8.3? And then finally, what can we infer from these words, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What can we infer about God's views, how he views the human constitution, and what it really means to live? What can we infer about those things from this verse? So, um, Starting out with a bit of background here, I am curious about verse 1. Yeah, how much of this was Jesus aware of? It says that he was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, you know, the Bible is written by the um, omniscient author in more ways than one. You know, if you read a book and it's written by um, a narrator that doesn't mention himself but apparently knows everything about the situation... That's called the omniscient author. Well, we know the Holy Spirit really is the omniscient author, isn't he? And is everybody here? <laughs> um, and um, so 
yeah, he, know, he knows everything to comment on it with hindsight and retrospect, but how much, was, how much did Jesus know? Did he know he was being led to the desert? Have you ever been led and you didn't know it at the time? It, that is possible, isn't it? It's, it there's, there's a couple of different ways God leads us. One way is that when he chooses to involve us in it and we receive something by the Holy Spirit in our minds, and our bodies, whatever way God speaks to you in the gifts of the Spirit. And um, we're like, oh, great. God's, God's leading me. Well, all righty then. We're on a little spiritual journey here, aren't we? This has significance. Um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We get our little spiritual hat on and get all stirred up and excited when we know we're being led, don't we? Have you ever had that experience? Maybe you have. On the other hand, sometimes we don't know we're being led. And we're like, um, hmm, all right. Got to take the van to the shop again, huh? On my day off, all right. I'm going to sit around in the waiting room of buttons for an hour. Here we go. Um, all right, Lord, well, I didn't feel that spiritual, does it? You don't quite have the same attitude. Now, if Jesus has said, um, your van's going to break down and you're going to have to go over here and sit around and wait. And oh, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, that's great. The Bible says praise the Lord and all things. I can do that, praise the Lord. Something's going to happen, you know. We get all spiritual just because God told us and we have a great time. Well, let me ask you, why don't we just act like that anyway? <laughs> Even when he didn't tell us ahead of time and we didn't know we are being led. Wouldn't it be just like a whole lot more fun? Yes. Say, now Jesus, if I'm going to go over here and... Um, sit in this waiting room, um, then um, let's just have a hallelujah party. Let's just claim some souls out of it. Let's just claim some meetings for the kingdom. Will he do it? Yeah, yeah he will. Hallelujah. So, yeah, Jesus, I, I would lean toward when it says led, it kind of maybe conjures up maybe something more participative like he knew it. I don't know. But you can't say definitively from the text. But it does make me curious, though, and we experience the same things in our lives, where we know we're being led or not. But the second question is the same, except this time about being tempted. If he knew he was being led, you know, did he know he was being led to be tempted? Did he know that's what the assignment was going to be when he got there? And again, it's the same with us, isn't it? It's great to know. Watch out, you're about to be tempted. Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, temptation. It's going to be great, I'm going to... You know, kingdom of God, here we go. But like, honestly, is that how it usually comes? No. Nope. Didn't come with a post-it note, does it? No. This is a temptation. <laughs> God is testing you. You'd be all, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I can live with that. But no, normally it's just another nip-heady little inconvenience that you've got to deal with for the day. But why don't we just acknowledge right now that we may as well be ready every day. Does it happen every day? Yes. This is what my Bible says about the frequency of it. Because you might be thinking, every day, I don't know if it happens every day. Yeah, we do get tested once in a while. Maybe not quite every day. That sounds like a little bit too frequent. Nikki, God doesn't really test us every day. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him? And that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him? And that thou shouldest visit him every morning? And try him every moment. 
moment. Some of my favorite verses there, Job 7, 17, and 18. Yeah, every moment. Wow. Jesus, help me. So, again, just like I said, with knowing whether we've been led or not, knowing whether, okay, let's just make the most of it when those trials come along because God's told us it's going to happen and we need, to, we need it, don't we? We need to be tested every day because here's the thing, without that, we were just cruising along thinking we were making it okay without God. But when we're tested, we suddenly remember, oh yeah, I got to pray. I need God. I got into a situation yesterday more towards the end of the day and I was like, oh, this is it. Here it comes. This is the trial. I thought I was doing good today. Your heart's going oh, this way, that way, and you're like, oh, get down. Okay, Jesus, I'm just going to stand here. You're going to have to help me. Praise God. Amen. He just wants us to know that we need him. And he'll be there. He'll do it, but we just got to know it. So that was my first question to myself. How much of verse 1 was Jesus aware of? That he was being led? Yeah, maybe so. That he was being led to be tempted? Question 2. What was Jesus saying to the devil here? He answered and said, um, It is written, Devil, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, first of all, I want to say... Um, what Jesus was saying to the devil. I'm kind of curious about why he quoted Deuteronomy, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, maybe he was saying, devil, you know, I could turn that loaf of bread, that stone into a loaf of bread if I really wanted to. Because, yeah, you're right, I'm pretty hungry right now. Um, but my inner being lives on truth. It lives on the general truth of God. That's his whole nature, his whole being, the whole plan of redemption and the gospel. That's generalized truth, right? My inner being lives on that. My inner being lives on the specific truth of specific scriptures, devil, like the one I'm even quoting to you now. My inner being lives on uh, the words that I have personally received for my life, directly from the Holy Spirit or through his servants. My inner being lives uh, on all those kinds of, it says here, the word of God, the message of God, the utterance of God. That's what my inner being really lives on. So devil, as long as you're here tempting me face to face, you're actually proving to me that right now, at this very moment, the most important part of my being that needs strengthened is not my body, but my spirit. Notice how uh, the devil responds here. Um, getting back to the nature of trials and temptations. You know, I really believe that some way we try and wriggle our way out of temptations through logic. We try and convince ourselves logically for why we shouldn't be tempted or struggling at that, that period, that instant in time. Or we try to talk ourselves out of it logically 
Have you ever experienced that? Yes. It doesn't always work, does it? Because we haven't struck um, the eternal truth, the gospel truth, the truth in the love of God, the economy of God, the wisdom of God and truth. And there's still ground for the devil to, uh, to be scourging us. Um, so, like I said, logic doesn't always do its job because you're dealing with a spirit and you're dealing with your own flesh. But when your response is based on the eternal truth of who God is, the overarching message of the gospel and love itself, um, it can't be touched again by the devil and he knows it. So he's either going to leave you for a season or move on to another attempt like he did with Jesus for a few times in a row. Does that make sense at all? I feel that some of the ways that we try and wriggle our way out of temptations with logic, it just doesn't cut it because we haven't struck the rock of the true truth in the words of God. But as we do, um, we'll be delivered. So that is um, what I believe that Jesus was saying to the devil in his, uh, in his response when he said to him, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, interestingly, he's quoting here Deuteronomy 8.3. If you want to look that up, you can. Deuteronomy 8.3. And it says there, next got it on the screen, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, never seen it or heard of it before, neither did thy fathers know it, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So, I find it really curious that Jesus quoted this verse because this verse is actually saying, yeah, we really do need bread, but not bread only. So in other words, um, by, quote, the, by quoting this verse, he's actually acknowledging to the devil that he did need bread. Um, So maybe uh, when we fight the devil with the word of God, it doesn't matter so much if we can strike on the exact verse and the exact content context. It's just the word of God and it's living and it's spirit and it's enough to do warfare with the devil. Um, the other interesting thing about that quote in Deuteronomy 8.3, um, God was saying there, you know, you do need bread to live, and I took care of that need, but I took care of it in such a way as to strip and divide the two issues with food, legitimate physical need and pleasure. Two different issues, right, with food. 
And he said, I fed you manna. And uh, basically, in manna, you had everything that you needed physically, but you had the same thing every single day. Now, has anybody ever here eaten what is called a mono meal? It's a meal which consists of only one food. Like, say, for dinner you had carrots. Or say, or think of your most favorite single food right now. Say it's steak. Say it's ice cream. Okay, let's just say ice cream. All right? Oh, you like ice cream, do you? Okay. You get ice cream for breakfast and ice cream only. Ice cream for lunch and ice cream only. Ice cream for dinner and ice cream only. How do you think you feel about ice cream after about two days? You'd be like, give me some steamed broccoli, please. Thank <laughs> God, great. He really did a number. What he's saying in Deuteronomy 8.3 is he really did a number on the children of Israel. Yeah. They weren't, you would have been crying for quail too. Even when they had this perfect, nutritionally perfect food from heaven. Because God stripped it. He divided the issues between the issue of nutritional need and the want for the enjoyment and the pleasure of, of eating, right? And he said after, basically in Deuteronomy 8.3, he said, after I did that number on you, you knew that you cannot live by bread alone. Life doesn't come from the hope of pleasure and food. Life. True spiritual life comes from hoping in Almighty God. And that's what he's saying in Deuteronomy 8.3. After I did that number on you, you knew that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, the truth that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And um, actually, Jesus said a similar thing. He said to them, he said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, um, Jesus um, took pleasure because his pleasure, he, he had more to look forward to than his next meal. His pleasure and what drove him on on a daily basis was that God had a complete work for him to do that day. He didn't want to miss the fullness and the completeness of God that God had from that day because if he didn't miss it that day and he put his life together in all those days, it would make up for a life that completely fulfilled everything that God had for him. And that's what drove Jesus on and gave him pleasure and meaning and hope in life more than simply the pleasure that comes from food. So, um, yeah, Jesus, um, interesting quote from Jesus, uh, interesting original verse in its context, Deuteronomy 8.3. Um, and uh, definitely some, some food for our souls in that. And then finally, the last question I had that I wanted to discuss with this um, was what can we infer about how God views um, the human constitution and what it really means to live from this verse? Because when I read this in my devotions the other day, it was like, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, come on, Jesus, is that really scientific? You know? I mean, and of course, you have to use the word scientific with some pretty healthy quotation marks around it because the word science means knowledge, okay? And of course, the, what is inferred is man's knowledge. So if you want to look at man's knowledge, no, it's not scientific. 
Because man's so dumb, he thinks that we're just a bunch of chemical interactions and cells and stuff. So if you go on that knowledge, no, yet man can live on bread alone quite happily. But on the knowledge and the science and the scientificness of genius almighty God, he said man cannot live on bread alone because man is body, soul, and spirit. We all know what our body is. Our soul is actually um, the... Uh, intangible elements of life. For example, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay? That's our soul. Um, you don't have to be born again to have emotions. People who are spiritually dead have a living soul because they experience emotions. Give me the science of laughing. Give me the science of crying. Wow, it's intangible. It's emotions. It comes from the soul life. The mind, that's a miracle as well, but it's all, although it is a miracle, it's all still part of the natural man. It's part of the soul life, okay? So some people use the word soul and spirit interchangeably, um, and that's fine too, because I don't really care to get really picky about semantics, but really, um, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. So, so Jesus, when he said man... He knew what he was talking about. He was talking about the totality of man as he created it, which is not how we think about it, but it was he figured it was normal for man to have a resurrected spirit, for his spirit to be alive. The body, the soul, but also the spirit, triune beings, just like our triune God. So that when Jesus says man shall not live, he was really true. It was really accurate and scientifically accurate to say that. The totality of the constitution of man cannot be sustained simply through food. Because spirit can only be fed by spirit. And part of us as born again believers is we have a resurrected human spirit within us, which Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he actually says it's the spirit that quickens, that gives life now that's interesting because in the King James that is lowercase spirit. And of course in the original they don't have like the uppercase or lowercase to make distinctions. But you know it's almost implying there it's the human spirit that gives us life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life. That makes Jesus' statement pretty scientific, doesn't it? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, because those words are spirit, and those can feed our spirit, and we can't starve. We can't be starving Christians, can we? Uh, I mean, you can make it a little bit, just like the body can make a little bit. You can fast, and you can put off the body a little bit, and maybe the spirit, or human spirit can make it a little bit, without being fed by those words that have come from the mouth of God, but sooner or later, you're going to shrivel up. And God forbid, if it goes too long, you wouldn't want to die in the spirit, would you? You don't want that at all. So we know that we need to, uh, that we need those words proceeding from, from, from the mouth of God, and that is true living. See, the two words that interest me is that man, in this verse, shall not live by bread alone. That's man in his full triune constitution. 
And the other word that interests me is live. Because I think when Jesus says live, he means more than just having a heartbeat, right? He means living abundantly, living with hope, living with purpose, living for the will of God, living for another universe. And without the words, the tr- the words that proceed, um, the word that's pr- the message, the utterance, the rhema, the every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, whether it be the generalized fullness of the gospel scheme and who God is, man, we need to remind ourselves of that to have true life, spiritual life. Or whether it's the individual specific words of the word of God, the different verses and the different chapters, man, we need that to live, to have true life. Or whether it is those, those unique individual Holy Spirit words that the Holy Spirit has spoken to us individually, or maybe they've come through another believer, another minister, or you receive a word, a word you know it's from the Holy Spirit. Whether it's that, we need this, what proceeds from the mouth of God to have true life. We know that. We're just reminding ourselves this morning. That's all. That's all. We need to get those and keep those before us if we're going to truly live in capital letters. We need to keep reviewing the promises that God's given us for our lives. We need to keep getting into corporate opportunities, whether it's a Bible study or you come under the preaching and teaching of God's word, the affirmation of God's word. Um, We need to keep reading our Bibles daily. Um, Get a Bible reading plan, get a notebook, write down verses, speak to you, pray it back to God and live. So, amen, Jesus. We agree. Very scientific, Lord. Man, in his fullness and his totality, especially pertaining to the spirit part of man, shall not have true life just by whatever it is you eat. Vegetables, steak, bread. But by the overall utterance coming from God. Thank you, God. Lord, we want to live. We really do. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for uh, just helping us to believe you and to follow you and for the life you've given us. We want to be good stewards of the spirit man within, uh, our, our resurrected human spirit. We want to feed our resurrected human spirit, God. Uh, we don't want to have all our hope all our hope just in our next meal. Thank you for how you stripped the Israelites in the desert and you separated those issues pretty good. We want to have hope in the purposes and the callings and the, and, the, and the assignments that you have for us every day. And when we put those all together and check out of here, then glory to God, it'll be all done with and we can live for you. But for the time being, we want to be feeding our spirits. Help us to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.